Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hey guys, welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. This is Jesse, your EP here. And today we will be joined by Tracy, Ethan, Zenya, Lee, Leisha, and of course myself. You guys just heard Tic Tac by 8 Turn, which is a new boy group debut. And before that, you guys heard Love Me Like This by N Mix. We have a very exciting show for you guys today, featuring a two-part interview with the amazing solo K-pop artist Alexa, who was recently on her Girls Gone Vogue tour across Australia and New Zealand. We will also be breaking down some of the upcoming manhwas which are going to be turned into animes, and by we, I mean mainly me and Lee. And marking part three, or whatever part we are on, of our instalment of what Asian countries are doing to address the low birth rate, we bring China with their state-sanctioned dating app. We all know that Japan is known for all kinds of amazing foods, but today we will be taking a deep dive into all of their wacky canned foods. Welcome one, welcome all. This is Asian Pop Nation, and yes, this is still your EP. I shall stop doing that now. Uh, you guys just heard Party Without Me by Tiffany Day. And before that, you guys heard Drowning by Bobby featuring Soul. And even more before that, you guys heard Damn by Wes Atlas. Now, coming up, you may have heard this teased in our little intro earlier, but we will be speaking to the amazing Alexa. And you guys may have heard about her from last week when we were running down some of our shows some of the Asian shows that were playing in Melbourne. Or you might remember us talking about her even earlier when she won the American Song Contest with her single Wonderland. Now, she will be joining us in studio today and, yeah, roll the tape. Hey guys, welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. This is your executive producer, Jesse here. I am also here with Leisha and Ethan. Now, for those of you guys who tuned into our show last week, you guys may have heard that we ran through some events in Melbourne that featured Asian artists and Asian people. And one of those is someone who is currently on their Girls Gone Vogue tour across Australia and New Zealand, and who is also currently in studio with us today. Yes, we are talking about Alexa. Welcome. Wow. Oh, clapping. Like the silent clapping. Silent I am like clapping. terrified. So just like peak the audio. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Oh my gosh. We are literally in the presence of iconic girl boss there, I say, oh, right here, Alexa. Please. Oh my gosh. Massive, massive fan. So I'm just going to try to be as calm and collected as I can be, of okay. course. You're doing great so far. No, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and of course, we want to say a big welcome to Asia Foundation right here on the Sin. And I guess for all of our listeners that are tuning in, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. So my name is Alexa. I am a K-pop artist that debuted back in October 2019 with my debut single Bomb uh, currently on my Girls Gone Vogue tour I was just in Auckland, New Zealand was just in Sydney and now I'm here to grace Melbourne with my presence and Grace, you shall, like, I think you we'll, we'll understand, like, the peak excitement that we have about your show here in Melbourne. And for people who may not know, it is happening on April 1st at 170 Russell on Woo! April Fool's, specifically. ABS, and it is not an April Fool's joke. It is actually a concert. You're so actually come. coming, guys. Yes. swear. <laughs> you mentioned you've been in Auckland now. You just recently dropped from Sydney as well. Yeah, yesterday. How has the experience been so far? It has been so fun. Like, oh my goodness, starting the 
tour in Auckland, New Zealand, of all places. Like, never in my wildest dreams did I think, oh my gosh, one day I'm going to be in New Zealand. And not just for funsies, but also because I'm going to be a K-pop artist who's touring. And so, you know, the energy was incredible in New Zealand and Auckland. And then I had the wonderful opportunity to come to the land down under. <laughs> and then here we are. I was in Sydney and the crowd was hot. But I've heard that Melbourne's going to be even more, like, turned up. So I'm excited. Oh my gosh. I'm excited. You are feeling the um, Sydney and Melbourne beef that's just constantly happening 24-7. Oh, there's beef. <gasps> I see. It's just like Australian lore. They don't get... I can't believe you just said lore out loud. Lore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's focus on the superior state, aka okay, Melbourne, real quick. Okie Has there been like anything like during your whole time in New Zealand and Australia? Something that you really want to do while you're like here? Not gonna lie, there actually hasn't been much downtime, to be honest. <gasps> we've been very busy every day with schedules, and if we don't have schedules, then we've got interviews. But that's all good. Um, but I will say, yesterday I knocked something off my bucket list because I went to the convenience store and I found kangaroo jerky. Oh my god. I tried kangaroo meat. Please, Did you like it? Yeah. What's yeah. The verdict? I thought it was actually pretty okay. Oh my god. I liked it, yeah. You can get kangaroo steak, I think, at um, supermarkets as well. I heard, like, the actual, like, meat meat, but yeah. I was like, oh, jerky, that seems easy and affordable. So, but, yeah, I was I was shocked. I was like, oh, delicious. I'm so sorry, but delicious. Is there anything else you've wanted to try in Australia as well? So, I've already tried Vegemite as well, if that was a question, but uh, I actually liked it. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I was, I was surprised, honestly, that I liked it, but just very salty. That's like someone who's lived here for like 12 years now. Even just stuff like Vegemite, I've only tried like once when I was like 13. And let's say the reviews were not raving and kangaroo Mm. mean, still too terrified to try. So I think you've like hit hit the benchmark already. Honorary Aussie. Honorary Aussie. Okay, (laughs) I'll take it. Coming from the one person who doesn't have an Austrian accent. (laughs) But, okay, let's get into all things, your music, your discography, and all that stuff. Something that I've always been very curious about is who is Alexa behind the scenes in the studio whenever you're making, like, new content? Like, who is she? Who is Alexa? The listeners obviously can't see, but I'm currently pondering. I have this expression on my face in which I am pondering. I am deep in thought right now. Who is Alexa behind the scenes, especially when it comes to like the music making process, the creative process of everything? I'd say that she's a highly emotional person that puts a lot of herself into her work. Whether or not it's a fun, upbeat song like Back in Vogue, or if it's a more slow song like Please Try Again, I kind of try to tell a story with everything that I do based off of either personal experiences or just stories that I create in my mind. That's so beautiful, and I think it's just Thank like, you. oh my gosh, it's like adding to my little like fun facts about Alexa. This is like, oh, you keep tabs on me now. Okay, <laughs> okay, I see. Oh my gosh, but I think Ethan, you have a lot yeah. of curiosities when it comes to like the music video production specifically. Ooh, yeah. so okay. I think your music videos are some of the most high produced in the industry. I was having Ooh. a look through, and you've done a lot of stunts. I have. You've done like wire work. You've done deep diving. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of green screen work. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you're also acting against like CG or other versions of you as well. Mm -hmm. What would you say has been the most challenging but also the most rewarding? Yeah, I have done quite a bit of stunt work and just a lot of really interesting things I've gotten to experience thus far being a K-pop artist and filming videos. Uh, But first and foremost, thank you for complimenting the videos because my company is a music video filming company. So your face music videos, we've probably filmed them. So anyways, not going to lie, the most challenging but most rewarding stunt 
I've done so far, I think, is in Revolution when I run past the exploding cannons because oh that was tricky. I got hit like five times. Oh I had to go God. to the ER, but um, we were in the middle of shooting and I had to go to the ER, but uh, it was fun and it looked really, really cool in the end. So I'm very pleased with the outcome. I was going to say that was easily one of the most, like, wow things. Like, Thank especially you. when they show the behind-the-scenes stuff at the end of the video as well. Uh-huh. It was like, wow, she actually did do this. That yeah. was incredible. And it hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. While we're talking about stunts, in the American Song Contest, when you mm. performed Wonderland, between each set, you gradually got more stunt work involved. So in the f- yes. in by the second one, you were on, like, wires, flying above stage. Was that, like, scary for you to do? So, fun fact, in regards to the semifinal stage with the, the ropes I was on, there were no wires attached. If I fell I would have fallen Wow! so yeah I just had to completely rely on my core strength but fun fact my stunt trainer for the ropes she was actually Catwoman's uh, stunt double at one point wow. her name was Ruthie shout out to Ruthie I miss you wherever you are you, I don't know if you're gonna hear this because this is Australia but um but yeah we just kept leveling up leveling up and it was a little I was a wee bit apprehensive going into everything because I love heights personally but I don't enjoy the idea of falling I don't think anybody does, to be honest. But yeah, no wires on the semifinals. And then with the throne for the finals, I had like a little seatbelt on the throne that locked me in safe. So no worries there. Everything was safe and sound. No mistakes happened. Everything was good. Well, it did look incredible. And obviously it shows for it because in the American Song Contest last year, you did bring home the win for I did. Yes. How, How did that feel like in the moment and then now like in retrospect? Like how how is that Oh, me, oh, my. Uh, I mean, looking back on that moment, because it's forever immortalized on the internet, I have the ugliest crying face when the camera pans <laughs> to me, but it's because it was such an emotional moment. I mean, you know, not only was it a win for Oklahoma, my home state that, you know, raised me, it was a win for the K-pop community as well, but also the Asian community, you know? I feel like nowadays in mainstream media, there's a lot more representation than we had when we were kids, because, like, what, all we had when we were kids was, like, what, Mulan? And that only covers Chinese culture. But yeah, I just felt like it was a massive win for just the Asian American or just Asian overall community. And even thinking about it now, it just, I'm just very happy and very proud of what we did. Not just me, but my team. Everybody that came with me from Korea, the choreographers, the dancers, everybody that put their blood, sweat and tears into Wonderland. It was just really fun time. And so since returning to Oklahoma as Alexa now... Have you noticed a big difference in the K-pop community in America? Oh, I would definitely say so. Whenever I went to Oklahoma last year on tour, I was so surprised what the turnout was for my concert. Like, it was a sold-out concert. The venue was packed. And, like, thinking back to whenever I was in middle school and high school and I liked K-pop and I got bullied for it and everything, it's like... Never in a million years would I think that at my own concert, as a K-pop artist, it would be a packed house full of K-pop fans. It's just so interesting to see how huge K-pop has become in the last few years even. You know, bridging the gap between Korea and Australia, Korea and America, Korea and wherever countries they decide to go to. I don't know. It was just... Big difference, big difference. A lot more people know about K-pop now, and I'm happy about that. I hope you, I just like when you're envisioning the front runners and all that stuff, like pioneering and changing like the K-pop industry. I hope you see yourself in that thing. Like, come, I think like we have not exaggerated just how iconic that freaking performance was of of Wonderland. Thank (laughs) you, I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) And something else that I was actually very curious about is that 
right after your American Song Contest very well-deserved win, of course, you then released your third EP titled Girls Gone Vogue. Wow, the name is very familiar. I wonder if it's the title <laughs> of a concert happening in Melbourne soon. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> and alongside with that, you released your title track Back in Vogue, which I have to say my favorite title track from you. Thank you. <laughs> For a lot of people, this would be like your first body of work after mm -hmm. the American Song Contest. Did you feel any sort of like I guess like nervousness and stuff when it came to working on this EP, considering like you had so many new faces that were like tuning into you now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we wanted to definitely start everything off with a bang because, you know, American Song Contest was this very large, momentous occasion. And we didn't want to just come back with something kind of just insert deflating balloon noise here but you know what I mean you know yeah. we wanted to have something with the wow factor that's why there was so much CGI that went into the mm -hmm. music video like so many special effects and also in regards to choreography we wanted to level it up so we included some elements of voguing of course the whole song is not voguing that would have been quite difficult for me personally because I am not a ballroom professional but we also hired the choreographers of Wonderland to choreograph back in vogue so and these people have worked with people like Christina Aguilera, Janet Jackson, Justin Bieber, oh Ariana God. Grande, Beyonce. Oh. So um, yeah, we just hired the best of the best for Back in Vogue. Mm -hmm. And I think like again, you can definitely see just like the level of like, uh, like how to even describe the title track itself. It's just like it's just so good. It's amazing. Thank you. And. As someone who actually used to watch you way back in like Produce 48, oh, and I don't know if that name invokes like a sort of instant reaction. Oh. Fight or flight. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing your growth from like that point in Produce 48 and me being like, yes, the peekaboo cover, she's gonna the bake it. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, like you now as like a solo artist I don't know from like a fan's perspective it's just such a delight to witness Thank and you. I guess do you have any particular moments where you kind of look back to that particular Alexa and do you kind of think like ooh there's some words of advice I would love to say to this little version of Alexa mm -hmm. back then first and foremost I'd probably say don't worry, someone will help translate things for you because you don't know Korean yet. I know you can read and write it, but you don't know anything past Anyang Haseyo. And that will embarrass you in the future, but that's okay. Um, also, be careful when wearing heels because you're going to mess up your knee, but you're going to keep going anyway and you're going to keep fighting and you did the best that you could, so don't worry about it. Yeah, you're going to look back with fond memories. Quotes, <laughs> quotes around fond. But, uh... Yeah, it's it's it was a learning experience, and you're gonna take away some good stuff from it. Did you find it stressful to be in that kind of production, like this massive TV production, especially because you said you didn't speak Korean as well? Yeah, no, I mean right off the bat, because I think I wasn't too like freaked out going into it, but then you know we all know how producers set up with the giant room with chairs when everybody first goes in an audition i did not realize how big the studio was until it was my turn to walk into audition, and I was like, oh dang, that's. A lot of chairs, a lot of people looking at me. That's, yep, that's a famous person. That's a famous person. I am on camera and I don't know how to feel. Yeah, it was intimidating. Very intimidating. But, you know, again, I did the best I could. I wound up in B rank. So, I mean, that's it's pretty good for someone who didn't speak Korean at the time. But, uh, man, if I could go back and tell my younger, younger self, it'd be like, hey, I know your mom doesn't remember Korean, but that's not going to stop you from learning it. You should start learning Korean when you're younger, but can't do that now. You know, no taxi backsies. So, yeah. 
Oh, sorry. I was like, just like intensely like, oh, back in the day, little me watching Produce 48 and being like, yes, I'm rooting for Alexa. And then, and then uh, if people watch the show, um, we know what happens, but we also all know like where you are now mm. again. Another thing that I'm just like plucking out facts from my brain and all that stuff is that you actually do a couple of TikTok videos that I would say are considered quite niche in quotations <laughs> yes but i love them i love them everywhere like one example is like you literally recreating like a leah core which i was not oh. expecting at all and then you like hopping in right into the trend of ariana debose i was like i'm so shocked when i just saw it on my like for you page i was like Oh my god, the Alexa! <laughs> and I guess just something cute to like think about is just what has been like your favorite like videos or sort of like trends that you've seen mm. online lately. Um, here's the thing. So my for you page is very very niche, as we said earlier. <laughs> um, you know, I don't really know what the trends are to be honest, because like I see my friends do dance challenges, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was trending, or like there's a new sound that everyone's using, and I'm like, oh. I didn't know this was trending because I just get very obscure humor and like weird artsy things on my For You page. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what the trends are. That's why I feel like I'm in touch with the Gen Z, but I'm also very out of touch with the Gen Z. I don't, I don't know. I learn something new every day and I'm like, why did I just not learn this? What's like an example of like you like flipping your phone and just like scrolling to what would be like a typical video you would see in the Alexa FYP page? Um, oh man, that's a good question. Probably somebody dressed up in like, I don't know, a broccoli suit and then like making some horrible sketch comedy about like why broccoli is necessary. But then he also probably owns a carrot costume. I don't know. I, it's really weird niche stuff. Really weird niche stuff. And I guess I kind of speak about costuming, but not saying that you do costuming into this level. But you have done, like, some cosplay that pique my interest, particularly oh, really? Miss Nana from the anime Nana, which no. I still need to finish watching. <gasps> you haven't finished it? I'm on, like, episode 30-something. Like, no. I, it's, like, peak drama, but, like, <laughs> I know it gets even more as we say on. in america get her done get her done <laughs> watch it finish it oh my god oh my gosh and then there's also like obviously jinx from arcane i think yes. that's like a reoccurring character you've done oh, most yes. recently tiffany valentine as well from yes. the series. oh my god she's a bit of a horror fan oh yes and i guess i'm just curious has there been like a piece of media that you would like love to cosplay in the future Oh, man. I mean, I missed the boat because it was years ago. And, and granted, I did it at my local convention back in the day. But I really want to do a full-fledged Harley Quinn cosplay one day. Mm. Uh, you know, the Suicide Squad one was the one that everybody and their mom did. Yes. But uh, I don't know. Her design in the new film is nice. But I'm really hoping that, you know, they take steps forward and include her newer designs like that are in the comics, like the new 52 and everything. Because mm. she has some really nice designs. So I really hope to see those represented in the movies in the future by Miss Margot Robbie. Because... Oh, I love her. Didn't Je Jessie, you have questions to ask about it. She asked it. Oh, oh. apologies. Oh, okay. my God. Oh, oh no, she never stole your question. Oh, oh I, I, I did want to ask a question, though. So, like, there are a lot of people that do dance covers of your, yes. your, your songs as well. But as someone who did come from a background of doing dance challenges and dance covers, mm -hmm. how does that feel to have people now cover oh, your music? Oh, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there's, like, this word in Korean, like, budutada. Which is like, I don't really know how to translate it into English properly, but it's just, it just makes your heart feel all fuzzy and warm. It's like, a, kind of like the, 
aww kind of feeling. It's like, dang, you know, this is what I used to do. And now people are taking inspiration from me and covering my songs. It's just, it's the circle of life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's just so cool. And I'm so grateful every day that people do these things. Have you seen that community change since you were involved in that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I were to name off some people I was friends with in the community, everyone would be like, oh my God, I remember them. Because like back when I used to do dance covers, the community, I think mainly on Instagram wasn't that big because we did not have TikTok yet. TikTok was not a thing. Instagram was the main place to do dance covers and YouTube. Mm. It was not a big community, but now it's like... Literally, anytime I'm on my Explore page, even though I don't follow, like, cover dancers, I will always have cover dancers on my Explore page. It's just grown exponentially, and I think it's just so cool that so many people now just love K-pop. Melbourne has a very big K-pop cover community as well. Like, a very big I've community. noticed. Because they love filming in public as well. So, uh-huh. you outside, like, near RMIT and the State Library around mm-hmm. there as well, there are a lot of people who do dance covers in public here. Really? It's really cool, yeah. Because I think I've seen a few videos from dance crews, whether they were from... Certainly, or Melbourne, but uh, just somewhere in Australia. I know I've seen covers done from Australian fans, but like, dang, okay, so the cover game in Melbourne is strong. Okay. I keep saying Melbourne. I know it's Melbourne. Sorry. I'm not Australian. I I think you'll get like a nice pause moment. Thank you. It's okay. Uh, I guess, like, as we're, like, reaching towards the end of this interview, I think something that a lot of people, when they think about the name Alexa, some of, like, people's introduction to you might have been from your podcasting days that you actually did way back with Dive Studios and stuff. And, like, the concept that you did for, again, the show, for the listeners who don't know, is how did I get here? And you basically are, like, deep diving into, like, every single topic across Mm -hmm. the sun. I guess something I'm very curious about was, like, have you ever had, like, a topic that you would just love to, like, dive deep into that level in the future? Ooh, you know, I... Yeah, wow, that's a question I was not prepared for. You caught me (laughs) off guard. You caught me off guard. But in the future, I think I'd really like to delve into... I don't know, maybe just the mechanics of the human brain, because humans are such interesting creatures. Like, honestly, we're 70% water. We're literally just walking bags of water. We're basically slugs. I don't know where this is going, but (laughs) just the mechanics of the human brain and why it does the things it does. I think it'd be a fun podcast series to delve into. And would you ever want to, like, I guess kind of in the future maybe create, like, a podcast where you're kind of the main host? <gasps> or do you want to have, like, a series of hosts? I like, mean, I think the it dream would be fun. Here? Alexa's dream podcast. My dream podcast. <laughs> it would be really fun to start a podcast again because I've, from what people told me, I have a radio voice. True. I don't know. That's just what people <laughs> have told me. So I'm like, thank you. I'll take it. But um, having my own podcast will be fun. Co-hosting with someone will be fun. Cough, cough, dive studios. Call me back. <laughs> it's been they so long. Like... I miss you. I miss you. It's not you. It's me. I miss you. <laughs> Call me back. And I guess as once again, as I mentioned, as we're reaching like towards like the end of the interview, I think quite a lot of people, um, when they see you and like your trajectory and all of your success, they kind of see you as like, I want to be like her or like she's like my role model. And I guess I'm just very curious if you had any sort of like advice for mm-hmm. maybe any like young Asian talent somewhere out there, Melvin, Australia, elsewhere who are tuning in that want to follow your footsteps. They want to mm-hmm. make waves in the k-pop or just like the music industry in general Ooh, okay <sighs> for one uh don't let a language barrier stop you because language is always something you can learn uh also don't let a lack of skill set ever stop you you might be a phenomenal singer but maybe you lack in dancing you can always learn how to dance and vice versa 
Uh, also, don't let your ethnicity stop you. You know, no matter what Asian race you are, Eastern Asian, Southeast Asian, you know, there's always going to be a place for you in the market. I mean, look at 88 Rising. Like, it's such a diverse, like, not a company, but like, you know, a diverse bunch of artists that come from all over, like, with Asian heritage. And it's just like, there's so much opportunity for representation out there. And I promise you, if you look and you work hard enough, you will find it. That was just, well, that was so beautiful. I don't know about Ethan, but I was like, that just touched. It's inspiring, that, yeah. That just, like, touched my heart. <laughs> I, was, I was like, damn, maybe I will continue to chase my dreams. Yeah. Chase your <laughs> dreams. Never stop. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> but, again, thank you so much, Alexa, for joining. Again, Ethan, yeah. myself, Jesse, our EP behind the scenes Hello. as well <laughs> on this very exciting interview here on Asia Foundation on Sin. And I guess that's like a final remark. I don't know if anybody wants to do the little closing statement. Oh, not closing statement. Oh, yes. Didn't Alexa want to sing a song? Which song? Which song? Which song? Which song? Which song? And I guess we'll go with a little bit of Wonderland. Just hard feeling up. I think I'm in trouble. Bet that you let me down my double. Off with the red. Stop thinking I love you. Wonder if we had a chance. Maybe make a Wonderland. Gosh, that was very surreal to witness in real life. Oh my god! Oh, thank you. And again, thank you so much, Alexa, for joining us here in the studios in real life time. And I hope you have a fantastic like Melbourne show and like the rest of your tour career. Everything. Just thank you so much for joining us. Thank it you. Honestly, means the world. Oh my god! I wish the same to you with your careers and your life and student activities and everything. May blessings be upon all of you. <gasps> oh my gosh! Been blessed by Alexa. <laughs> like my life has reached a peak. <laughs> we are back here at Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard like us from Yi Sung, who is from Super Junior, and it is from their first album, Sensory Flows. Now, before that, you guys heard Lonely Night by Juju Secret, which is a new duo act made up of actress Park Jinju and Lee Minju from Lovelies. Uh, and before that, you guys heard Inoya by Billy. Now, coming up next is a little segment that I myself am particularly excited about. Uh, we will be talking about some of the upcoming manhwas that have been made into animes. And if you guys have been in the loop around anime, you will know that recently a lot of manhwas have been getting adapted. Uh, if you remember, I think it was a few years or last year, something like that. It was Tower of God and... Uh, out of high school, that kind of thing, so I'm definitely looking forward to hearing about what will be coming up next for the Manhua. This is Asian Pop Nation. We are a small group today. Uh, I think it's just the ladies minus Leisha and the boys, so <laughs> it's going to be a, a bit of a quieter show, uh, less, less voices to clog the airwaves, but we are starting it off with something that I don't think we've talked about much actually um, in the past couple of shows, but we're talking and looping back to anime and some of the web novels we've noticed are being adapted into anime series. So I've got a feeling quite a few of us, minus Tracy, <laughs> are web novel readers. What are the shows that we're excited to see come to the screens? Lee, Jesse, any come across your radar? So uh, we have a few really exciting ones coming up that's been pretty popular for pretty long. 
Uh, one of them is a web novel, and it's also a memoir, and it's called Why Why Rileyana Ended Up at the Duke's Mansion. It's a really long name, I know. Oh, um, Isakayar. Okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but it's a South Korean web novel that turned into a memoir, and now it's being adapted into an anime series by Typhoon Graphics. The first episode is set to premiere April tenth this year, which is great because I'm really excited for that one. And for everyone who's also a part of the manga and manhwa sphere, everyone knows about solo leveling. It's kind of like the baseline adventure action manhwa out there. I actually don't know what solo leveling is. I've heard about it, but what's it about? It's basically about this. There's like portals. Portals suddenly appear, and like these monsters start coming in. And there's different ranked portals. People with like powers start showing up, and they're ranked as. I think it was like adventurers, but they're ranked according to like letters. Like S tier is like the strongest, and like F tier is like weak. So the main character is like one of the weakest of the weak. One day he goes into a dungeon, and mainly he's responsible for like collect. I think it was like collecting the loot and the drops by the monsters. So he goes into that kind of portal with like all the monsters, and they enter into kind of like. A death room that's like you can't get out, and everyone kind of dies. He basically is left behind as like a sacrifice. But then he doesn't perish, so he he gains like this game like system where he has actual levels and like uh skills and like all that kind of stuff. So he kind of starts to become OP. So that's kind of how that one goes. It's been around for so long, so I'm so happy to see it finally getting a anime adaptation. And it'll be produced by A1 Pictures and directed by Shinsuke Nakashige. Um, but unfortunately, it will not be released until next year, so that's sad. Oh, when you were describing that like that plot summary, I don't know why, but I, it sounded like like me so leveling up my Pokemon in the yeah then, yeah that's that's kind of what um, he does. He kind of just so. You'll notice in the art, like when he starts off, he kind of looks like a normal teenager, like this kid. And then as he grows stronger, he becomes this like like this classic hot two D boy kind of vibe. And it's like, and then he becomes so OP at the end. It's not a spoiler; everyone knows he becomes really OP. So yeah. The author must have been playing so many games when they were writing this. It's so video game coded. Yeah. Yeah. Is this sort out online? Oh. It's like, it's like only he gets that game system thing, so only he can be oh. OP, and everyone else is like, whoa, how did this guy become so OP? And oh no, is like, he just suddenly... So it's just hacks, okay. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah. Going, yeah. Back to, okay. um, going back to Rayliana, you mentioned before that it was an isekai. Can you yeah. explain what an isekai is? Because I don't know what an isekai is. I, what does it mean? A Japanese new world or something like that? Yeah, I think let me it, Google it while you guys talk about it. Yeah, it's basically like a trope where like this main this the main character dies in some way, usually by a truck for some reason. But truckun. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they die. They get transported into a different world, or like they get reincarnated, or like they go back to the past. There's like lots of different variations, but that's kind of it's stuck in a storybook. Yeah, I guess it's is like the case for Rayliana. Yeah. So yeah. the Rayliana one, it's basically like this girl gets pushed off a building and that's how she dies. Oh, which geez. is yeah, that's it's a bit different from Mr. Truckman, but so she gets pushed off a okay. building and then she gets transported into 
uh one of the storybooks that she read and like unfortunately she's reincarnated as like an extra that dies in an unfortunate way again so in order for her not to die she decides to make a deal with the novel's male protagonist and yeah that's that's how the story goes and it goes that's how the romance begins yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love fake love plots okay but yeah tracy would you read one or have you read one <laughs> i'm curious like what does the reincarnation like how how does an isekai sort of reincarnation story differ from one that's just straight up set in a fantasy world like i think it's the it... knowledge it's the yeah, knowledge that they know how it's going to end and they want to try and change it yeah mm, so it's about yeah. like overcoming your predestined fate yeah, yeah basically kind of. yeah oh i can see why people would be into that yeah, I think it's just that knowledge that it doesn't really matter how they ended up there, how they died. It's just how they get out of it is the journey. And that's why most of them get killed by a truck because um, it's not the death at the start that matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is another like trailer of this anime that's getting adapted from a manga that I saw, and it's called Mashal Magic and Muscles. Um, so this is pretty much a comedy and a lot of people have said it's literally just one punch man plus Harry Potter. So I read a little bit about it, but the story is that the main character's name is Mash and all he does is work out. So he lives in a forest, but he doesn't know like outside the forest is this like magical world and he gets forced to go to like a magical school, um, but he can't do magic. So what he does is just physically fight everyone. I think everyone's like trying to be like the top of the class so yeah he's just like fighting everyone but yeah it looked pretty um interesting and like funny oh yeah it's gonna be adapted by a1 pictures as well and it's gonna premiere in april 7th this year very true to its name i like this this one sounds interesting yeah i actually have wait i've seen one episode of one punch man i think i think things resembling one punch one punch man is generally a good thing yeah i can see why you would say it's like a crossover of like one punch man and what was the other one harry potter <laughs> yeah that makes sense it makes sense i love it because it just goes against like the the tropes or the conventions or this sort of thing like usually you have to play by the rules of your fantasy universe but if you you feel protagonist just can punch his way out or mash his way out yeah of any fight I'm interested to see how muscles would like match up to like magic. Yeah, I saw like a little um like a panel of the manga. So like one of the tasks he has to do is light a candle without touching the candle. Um so other people would use magic, but he he rubs like a stick together but like next to the candle so fast that it lights up like it sparks the candle to light up. So yeah. <laughs> wow, that's like <laughs> If that is all, we'd love to hear what kind of um, web comics that you've been reading and would hope get adapted into films or television shows, or anime series, you name it. Just let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. And yeah, maybe we can start petitioning there. You guys are listening here at Asian Pop Nation on Sin, and you just heard a fruit eye by Croy which is from their new EP, Magnet. And before that, you guys heard All the Time by this car. And even more before that, you guys heard Lifetime by Bite Matsuki. 
Now, coming up next, we will be going into our next installment of what Asian countries are doing to address the low birth rate problem. And our next competitor is China with their state-sponsored dating app. So if you want to hear more about that, tune in here at Asian Pop Nation. Hello, APN listeners. This is an intimate edition of APN where we've decided to talk about romance. I don't know why this just happened. So in our previous segment, we talked a bit about romance novels and romance cartoons. Um, And in this segment, we're going to be talking about real life romance or maybe the lack of it. The story we have for you today comes from China. And China, like many other Asian countries, is currently experiencing an issue with a low birth rate. Listeners might remember from a few weeks ago when we discussed South Korea's 69-hour work week in response to their decreasing birth rates. And across the waters, Japan has had its fair share of trying to tackle increasing loneliness in their aging population. How will China try and fix this low birth rate issue? Well, right now, they're actually trying to trial a way to fix it with social media and dating apps. Specifically, they're trying to trial this new innovation in a city called Guixi. And Guixi has a population of around 640,000 people, which is a lot of people, but quite a small city by Chinese standards. Basically, the issue Guixi is having is that very, very few people are getting married, and that is resulting in lower birth rates. So there were reportedly only around 5.4 marriages per thousand people in 2021. So the local government has basically created a matchmaking platform that will help single residents find the one. This is basically the same from what we can gather as any other matchmaking app, except it's sponsored by the government, which is quite funny. Like imagine opening up MyGov and having like ATO, Centrelink, and then like a matchmaking app. Has anyone like actually used like a dating app before here? No, they're all happily single. Nice. Or happily (laughs) unsingle. None of us are unhappily single. If one day, I don't know, like the Australian government trialed this in Melbourne, would you guys use it? Do you think it would be any different to like Tinder? Like, would it be much different? Will it have a sense of it's not just for like a hookup because it's state government? I think it will be interesting because a government running such an app, the objective is very different to if it was a corporate company because corporate companies want you to stay on their platform a lot more. So they probably aren't Mm. interested in you. They probably pair you with people who want to hook up when you're looking for a serious relationship. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just like to keep you coming back, I guess. But like the government would be like, okay, here's your partner. Go away now. Well, they like asked TikTok to help them put together their (laughs) algorithm. A for you page. You follow the same people. I mean, yeah. I was thinking about the mechanism for how to match people up because I know that most dating apps, it's like you swipe one way to like say, I'm not interested in this person's picture and you swipe the other way to be like, I'm interested in this person's picture. So it's all almost entirely based on like geographical proximity and like what they look like in their photos and whether or not you find that attractive. Do you think it'd be much different on a government app? Yeah, I feel like they would try to do it in a more like, but make you fill out like a survey and they're just like, maybe it could be like Omegle. <laughs> one, one one thing I have to know about this government-sponsored app is that apparently they're like, oh, you can organize blind dates through it, which is, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. Sure, the dating of... app's done that already. Like, oh, no pictures? Or is that too risky? Fine. You can rate each other like Uber drivers. That is literally an episode of Black Mirror. What are you oh, talking God, about, Chrissy? <laughs> and so then the algorithm can train itself to recognize who's more likely to result in, like, 
Damn. his actual marriage. So some people just stay single forever because their score is just like two stars. Too low. Yeah. They're yeah. like an Uber. You have to rate their rate the date. <laughs> rate the oh my god. Oh my no. god. You do realize that like matchmaking is a very prominent thing in like Asian households, like arranged marriages and stuff. This is basically that. Mm. But for but the government, online. I mean, the government's yeah. your family, right? <laughs> Algorithmically assigned partner. Have you guys heard of like those like Asian parents that are like worried for their children and want to matchmake them? They go to like these parks in like China and other places yeah. and they just kind of have like sheets of information and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, yo, do you want my child? They are this height. They look like this. They make this amount of money. I feel like that's the kind of vibe that this app gives me. Is it just going to be like a modernized version of that? It's like a resume. Like yeah, like a resume. Like a job It's a networking fair. event. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, why do you say such a thing? <laughs> the pages literally look like a resume with like a picture on it. That's... <laughs> why am I thinking this... Boys Planet profiles? No. Please wait for my contestant. Please marry my son or daughter. In other sources, they say that this is being used for like your credit score system in China or like what? different algorithms or like your past activity or whatever. I don't know. If you were to create a dating app, how would you algorithmically like pair your users? Like what data would you use? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. How do you even like quantify something like that? Yeah. That's why I said before, it's kind of like those parents at those parks putting like very um surface level information on a piece of paper mm. and like handing it out because like they can't exactly figure out from like your basic information oh you like this person it'd be a bit scary if they did but <laughs> i've seen discussions online where people have thought about mixing like like say your spotify playlist or your tiktok algorithm as a way to like match people because that's a pretty thorough profiling yeah or like what movies you watch or shows you're watching yeah something at least that's a good basis for a first date to talk about I think like one of the few things that they would definitely if they were to give it like a numerical score because I know Chinese people care a lot about like why ma they care a lot about looks so there would 100% be a thing where everyone has to submit like headshots of themselves to like an independent judging body and then they get like ranked <laughs> like no how much off. do they fit the Chinese beauty standard like the symmetry <laughs> there should be just like a a template your face needs to be in this line but yes, then within yeah, this figure I remember reading like a paper once and one of the variables they tried to control for was like how attractive people were so they got researchers to just like rank how attractive each of these like test subjects were essentially and I find that so funny imagine having like 80 people be like oh yes for scientific reasons I must rank how attractive you are you ranked in the bottom 10 like <laughs> Surely with a government-sponsored dating app, you'd have less scammers. Like, you'd be required to submit a picture of your passport or your driver's license so passport? that it's your identity. Yeah, just they to prove that you do exist. That. Do you think yeah. you'd be required to submit proof? Like, if you say you earn this much, you know, show us your latest bank statement. That's like that, that NFT dating app. Is it NFT dating app? Do you, do you not remember when I talked about the dating app they had to link the nft like their crypto wallets but then it was all guys and there was no girls on the dating <laughs> app so like Aww. they had to shut it down <laughs> i wonder why but isn't that the issue in china is that there's a lot of guys because of the one child policy and not as many girls i don't um, think you get like 5.4 marriages per thousand people just because there's too many yeah. guys <laughs> Listeners, I hope you all enjoyed this week's new installment of Low Birth Rates in Asia. Um, if this provoked any thoughts in you, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, our socials at Asian Pop Nation.
Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard Fix You by Tian. And before that, you guys heard Strange Way to Love by Yoon. And even more before that, you guys heard Keeping Love by Birdie, which is their new single. Now, coming up next, we all know Japan, we all know Japanese food. It's great, it's awesome. But we have not all heard about the wacky canned foods that Japan has to offer. And so today, here at Asian Pop Nation, we will be going through some of them. Um, so here at APN, we always review uh, some of the wacky foods that come out of Japan. So this time, we are reviewing wacky Japanese canned foods. So the first one, um, has anyone here ever wished that, you know, like their ramen was cold and portable and in a can? You know, I've never actually thought that, but, you know, I'm not everyone. Maybe someone in the world has, because obviously someone has. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's too hot to have ramen, you know, it's too heavy. You kind of want something cool, mm. something refreshing, you know. Is this just soba? Yeah, I was going to say, like, you could have soba, <laughs> but, like, maybe you're on the train or something, you can't really carry that, so you, you got to have something portable. <laughs> well, lucky for you guys, um, Japan has come out with a product called Drinkable Ramen. It's just ramen, a cold ramen in a can. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what else do I say about this? <laughs> I don't know why, but this reminds me of like spaghetti in a can that you would have in like primary school a lot, oh. but like not cold. Well, this is better. This is a uh, cold noodle sauce, kimchi extract, and gochujang paste and vinegar in the in the can, which sounds quite good actually. Like I would, I would try that. It kind sounds- of sounds closer to like a Korean cold noodle thing rather than like ramen. Nenyun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is- specific variety of like ramen that originated in korea or something the specific variety they're selling as cold to me it's like in my mind all those ingredients are like when they get cold they become congealed so i'm like how do they make this liquid next wacky canned food that we have is it's a hot tonkotsu ramen broth which is actually made by ipudo which is like a very renowned uh ramen chain in japan um, so they sell their broth in a can. There's also Japanese curry in a can, which I just found out about. Yeah, and they're all hot as well. There's also mapo tofu soup in a can and ginger soy milk soup. Yeah. In a can. In a can. <laughs> it's like refreshing because they're hot. I think yeah. the main thing is just that they're hot. The fact that they're in a can doesn't faze me. As much as the facts that the ramen, the cold ramen one was cold. Mm. I think it would be very cozy to like be at a train station in like a terrible bleak winter and then walk up and be able to like buy like a hot can of soup. That would actually be pretty cool. Oh, they said like these soups are for a light evening meals of commuters. Yeah, we definitely need like hot hot vending machines in Australia. I always see like the vending machines that are like the Japanese ones, but it's just cold, 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 cold. And I want like something hot, you know. Next we have a canned omelette, also known as a dashimaki. It It looks like two halves of a brain. (laughs) Yeah. In stock. 
See, I actually think this one looks good. Like, I would actually try to eat this. It's a little dry, but it actually kind of looks interesting. It looks like like um like bean curd or tofu. If it was an egg. How do you feel about it? Like in the can, it looks so. Especially because there's liquid in there, I'm just kind of of put off by that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like tuna. Like tuna has liquid in it, and you kind of just like squeeze it out. It's literally just like a rolled up omelet that's Mm. been put into a can. I mean, when they take the omelet out, it kind of looks normal. I would eat that. But seeing it in the can, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, but I gotta ask you guys a question. Do you think this is like more or less appetizing than long egg? Long egg, for reference, is the um, something that doesn't originate from Asia. It originates from like Denmark, apparently. But it's just like I don't know how you describe it. You just get an egg, and just like elongate it so that it becomes a tube. But in theory, that's just an egg, right? Like, like they haven't added any like flavoring to it. So wouldn't that just taste like an egg? Whereas this one has been like marinating in like. Juices, stuff. juices and preservatives <laughs> and non-egg stuff whereas mm. long egg is just an egg <laughs> long egg is just a single yeah. egg like, long if, you egg don't is slice, if you don't slice yeah. the long egg it's just like a whole cucumber of egg <laughs> yeah exactly yeah imagine that <laughs> see if i like took a long egg and i just sliced it up and then gave it to you with like your ramen or something you wouldn't know You'd be like, mm, this normal egg tastes so good. And then That's I'd be like, it was a long egg all along. <laughs> Laid by a long chicken. Yeah. What we've decided is that long egg is actually preferable to Tashimaki canned omelette. There's uh, another one called like canned cake. And it's pretty much like sponge cake with strawberries and cream in a can. So it'd be like a strawberry shortcake. Um... Yeah, it looks it looks appetizing. I would eat this. This one is actually getting like praised for like looking appetizing and yeah. pretty and like Instagrammable. It looks nice because it's like it's literally just cake in a container mm-hmm. and it's cold, so you don't have weird hangups about it being really horrible to eat. But it's kind of cute because you have a whole vending machine that's just full of mm-hmm. different flavors of cake. I think I've think seen, that- like, similar in, like, Australia. It's just, like, in jars, I think. I don't. I forget if it was in cans or jars, but one of those. I mean, if you think about it, jars are just another form of a can, except... Glass. It's not, it's it's not sealed. A, it's not sealed the same way. So true, Jesse. So true. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're interrogating the morphology of packaging. Yeah. Instead of it's, like, a pickle jar, you have, like, a long egg jar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's marinated in the dashimaki. <laughs> you just come, you're just thinking of like the worst. How do we combine all aspects of this to make it worse? You know, like those tea eggs or like those Asian tea egg things that like marinate in that stuff. That's what I imagine like the long egg would be if it was in marinating in like <laughs> some kind of stock. The tea egg is so good. It's yeah, like that's egg with soy sauce already in it. What if you marinate like the whole long egg? <laughs> that would be that would be good. I would like that. You'd have to have a long tea though. <laughs> or you'd get like oolong tea. Oh my god, Ethan stop. <laughs> what about one of those flasks? Those cylindrical flasks? Oh, yeah, you bring those flasks to like work and you just pull out an egg. <laughs> we've we've gone through it, Lee. We've gone through the list of 
cursed candid foods. Canned foods. This is horrible. This is a horrible segue. <laughs> um, so, listener, if there are any wacky Japanese canned foods that you would like to try from the list that we uh, listed, let us know via our Instagram and Facebook at Asian Pop Nation. Thank you.